Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It's a great opportunity to invest, to invest, and you're going to have eternal rewards. And uh, who knows what that one individual might do, like the Sunday school teacher with Billy Graham. You know, investing in the youth, you just never know what's going to happen. And so we are rich. But somebody told me this this past week, that Queen Creek, now when we came out in Queen Creek in 2003, uh, there was one traffic uh, signal. It was in downtown Old Ellsworth in Ocotillo. There was one store, it was called Circle K. It was the highest grossing Circle K in the state at the time because nobody wanted to drive into Mesa to get a gallon of milk. Uh, the first store, I believe, came out in 05 or 06, and, and now we're booming. Matter of fact, this past week it came out in the news that uh, Queen Creek is the second richest city in the state per capita, whatever that means. So we have more wealth. Basically, I think they said it's $110,000 per average in a household income. Not in our household, but in the average household. So we are supposedly really rich, monetarily wise. But there's still a lot of issues, unfortunately. Uh, In the first service, before the service started, a a gentleman came to me and said, hey, did you hear what happened at Fat Cats? I said, no, what happened? He goes, there was a a black family that went in to participate, and when they came out, somebody spray-painted their car. So, you know, that's the world. We live in the world. And as I share with you these things, I know sometimes you guys go, you're thinking in your minds, well, you know, that's Los Angeles, or that's New York, or that's Seattle or Portland. Those things don't happen around here. The world's the world, okay? The world's the world. And so we need to be prepared to reach out to people knowing that these people don't know any better. They're just going by their prejudices or whatever they were raised in, and they think it's normal to do these things, and we know it's not. Why? Because we become born again. Because we become born again, not because we're great people, but because the Holy Spirit dwells within us and teaches us the truth, we know there's one race called the human race, the human race. And so as I was, uh, this past week, I had the privilege, and you have brought on, we brought on many sponsors, and one of those is a pastor from Uganda. And so we got to talk with him, uh, uh, Matt and I did, and he's in town raising support, and we said, well, we already support you, so go to another church, but we'd love to talk with you, and so we talked, and, and uh, he made a very interesting comment, because as we were going through and almost wrapping it up, I said, well, how is the virus in, in Uganda? And he started talking to me about the lockdown, and I go, no, no, I know, we know about lockdowns, I don't want to know about lockdowns. I said, how is the virus in Uganda? How is it impacting the people? And he goes, well, well, we don't have a problem with the virus. You don't have a problem with the virus? He goes, oh, no, we don't have a problem with the virus. Well, I'll get to that. So Uganda. So I looked up some figures. Uganda basically is approaching 47 million people. 47 million people. Keep that number in mind because I'm going to give you a startling statistic. The average age is roughly 17 years old. The average age. Life expectancy is 63 years old. 
Due to the high marriage rate in the country, the age structure is skewed towards the younger generations with 48% of the Ugandan's population being 0 to 14 years of age. 21% between 15 and 24 years of age. So 69% of those in Uganda of the 47 million are 0 to 24 years of age. 28% is 25 to 64, and lastly, 2% of the population is 65 or older. And so then I went on, because he made this statement, I go, I must have heard that wrong, or that can't be right, or what's going on. So I went on, and and, and you can do this too. And So so far, they've had 41,000 cases of COVID. 41,000 cases of COVID. 47 million people, Okay. They've had 334 COVID deaths. 334 COVID deaths. And I said, and he said this number, I go, I must be hearing you wrong. He goes, no, people don't die of the virus over here. People die normally. They have heart attacks. They have this, they have that. They die normal deaths. It's not a big deal. According to the pastor that we are now helping, uh, he said they use hydrochloroquine for malaria. It's cheap over-the-counter drug. I mean, he stated this. He's not a politician. He's a pastor. And he's, a, and he's, and he's pastoring. He's going out and ministering to not the big cities because they don't have a lot of big cities. He's going to these various villages, remote villages, and I'll bring more information to you in the coming months, where it's destitute. They're one of the poorest nations on the face of the earth. He told us that people are dying of normal illnesses and not COVID and that the biggest problem was the lockdown that devastated their economy. What's the biggest problem in America? When you do the numbers, and, I, and don't go down the road, I'm not going down the road of mass, no mass vaccine, no vaccine, I'm not going down that road. Just when we go down the road of science and we look at the numbers, 16 more people died in Arizona per day in 2020 than in 2019. So that's just fact. 16 per day. Not 1,600, not 16,000, which would be an epidemic. 16. That's just fluctuation in normal numbers. So what's the problem? Fear and control. It's about fear and control. And so I went on to other countries. I said, well, what about Tanzania, Sudan, Mali, Botswana? Feel free to do this yourself. All the numbers are extremely low compared to U.S. and other developed nations. You see, it's just another fact that we're being served up with another round of fear and control by some of the political elite. And the point is, This virus has, it literally has impacted the whole world. And if you've lost a loved one, I'm not making light of this. I'm not taking anything away from that. I think we need to continue to lift our eyes to heaven and realize what is truly going on here. What is truly, have people died of this? Yes. But what's behind the scenes? I personally believe that it's spiritual more than physical. The stats prove that. And I believe this is a test from the Antichrist to see if the world is ready to submit. Because we have to be conditioned. It's just like conditioning our children that they've been doing for the last 10 years that homosexuality is okay, homosexuality is okay, homosexuality is okay. And now it's okay for two men to get married. Now it's okay for two females to get married. Now it's okay for a man to transition to a female and a female to transition to a male. Pumping, 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 pumping so that our teenagers are totally confused about what they are. No, you're made in the image of God. You're a biological male. You're a biological female. And you're a little confused, as we all were as teenagers. You'll work through it, and we'd love to help you work through it. If you're, in that, if you're in there right now, 
We'd love to help you work through it. We won't beat you up with scriptures. We're just going to show you in the scriptures lovingly that God has a plan for your life. And you don't need to be confused. You don't need to be depressed. You don't need to have anxiety. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So keep our eyes, guys, to heaven. We don't want to harp on masks or vaccines. We don't want to get in debates about Republicans or Democrats. Washington is promoting division. It's supposed to be a, uh, he was supposed to, supposed to be an administration of unity. It is not an administration of unity. It's an administration causing disunity. And take it for what it is. If you're wide-eyed, if you're reading and, and reading it openly and honestly, you, you will come to that same conclusion. Um, there's a problem. We have to get to one world government, one world religion, and one world economic system, Revelation 13. And that's conditioning, getting us used to these thoughts, getting us used to these thoughts. It's just conditioning. So it's not just the young people that they're conditioning. It's you and me. They're conditioning us. And they're trying to use pressure, even in the military. I talked to someone in the military. They didn't want to take the shot. And they said, well, then you can't go home. I can't go home? I can't go home to see my family? No, if you, if you don't have the shot, then you can't come home because you might get them sick. So you have your free will. But if you want to see your family, you've got to get the shot. Uh, I, I think that's manipulation there somewhere. And that's what some of our family members are doing to other people as well. Oh, we won't come over and see you unless you have the shot. What is this miracle? What is the problem? People are dying of the shot in case anybody hasn't heard this. Some people are dying of the shot. And some people are still getting COVID after the shot. The shot is not the cure. Jesus is the cure because we're all dying. So keep elevating people's eyes to the cure because we're all being conditioned to go down this road of robots. Yes, I will do what you tell me to do. Yes, I will obey. Yes, I'll do whatever. We're focusing on Jesus. What does Jesus tell us to do? Spread the gospel. Spread the gospel. Not load up on guns and ammunition. Spread the gospel. Father, we thank you and praise you for the morning. We know you have a plan behind our world, behind our country behind our state, and even here in Queen Creek. And so, Lord, we pray what your word says to pray. We pray for our leaders. They need Jesus, Father. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ, in the White House, in D.C., in the various states, in our state, in our, in our town of Queen Creek here, Lord. We may be rich monetarily, but there's still depravity taking place because people don't have Jesus. They need the word of God to remove the prejudices that are in their lives. So, Father, we're here this morning because we love you and we love your word. We love Jesus. We invite the Holy Spirit to do a work in our lives this morning. And, Father, if there's any prejudice in our lives, we pray that you would remove them, that we would love every single person, no matter what label they put on themselves, that we'd point them to Jesus, that we'd take these verses this morning and we'd learn from them on how we can apply it to our lives that they might see a difference, that they might really know there is a God and that he's alive and that he really does love every single person on this earth. That's what we're here for. We're your ambassadors, Lord, to help people understand agape love, not phileo love, agape love. Father, give me the gift of teaching. Bless the morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I read through 10, 10 verses in the first service, got through three So we're going to get through three here at the second service. 1 Corinthians 3, 
chapter 3, verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal. As to babes in Christ, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now, you were not able to receive it, and even now, you are still not able. For you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? You see, we left off on Sunday with Paul telling us that we have the mind of Christ. How do we get the mind of Christ? Well, most of us in this room, we acknowledge that we are a sinner in need of a Savior. So we ask Jesus to be our Savior. When that took place, the Holy Spirit came within us, and now we have the mind of Christ. Does that mean everything's perfect and all those things that were negative are no longer a part of our lives? No. Until we take our last breath, we still have this battle with what's called the flesh. And I'll explain that as we go on. Paul mentions that fact right before he shares with them the inability to move away from carnality or what is more commonly spiritually called the flesh. We all have to deal with this thing called the flesh, those sinful tendencies that we all had before we became born again. But do those tendencies just go away? This is very important because I know, I, I see right now a young man who received Jesus. So as I explain things, as I teach, I, I want to teach the youngest, but also as well as the oldest. And so none of these principles that I'm going to teach you this morning, none of these, just a few, they apply to all of us in this room, all of us, including myself. So do these tendencies just go away on their own? No. Or do we come to understand we have surrendered those fleshly tendencies to God? Yes. Notice the key word there. Surrender. Surrender. For you young Christians, surrender is the key. As we surrender our lives, not just metaphorically, I surrender some, I surrender some. That's what we're singing. Most of us, that's what we're saying. We're not saying I surrender all, because if we surrendered all, we'd see a difference in our lives, right? If we're honest with ourselves. So not just singing a song, but literally, literally, actually we're saying, no, God, I'm going to surrender this part of my personality to you because I don't want it anymore. I, I don't want nothing to do with it anymore. We then start to see how the Holy Spirit removes those tendencies that used to cause us fleshly problems. Verse 1, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual. Speak means to talk, to use words in order to declare one's mind or to close one's thoughts. You see, Paul had a desire to share his heart with these young believers taking them deeper in their walk with the Lord. But first, he had to deal with something that he had already dealt with. You see, as a mature believer, you can only take a young believer. So if you're mentoring someone, which I hope you are, and if not, you should. If you haven't been mentored, you should get mentored. So as Jesus said, go and make disciples. So that's what our mentoring process is all about. You can only take a young believer as far as they're willing to go themselves. So somebody receives the Lord and they're having premarital sex and they're living together and you go to them with the word of God and you say to them, you know, that's, that's not what God has for you. That's not the best that God has for you. And they go, well, you know what? Leave each other and we're fine. Leave us alone. I don't want to hear about that at all. But they're saved. Okay, then we might have to do church discipline. But I'm just making a point here. If they don't want to hear it, they don't want to hear it. You have to back away and you have to pray for them and then you might have to do Matthew 18. 
okay? It's, it's that simple. Even though you may have a desire to share with them the deeper truths and principles of God's word, if they do not leave behind the elementary principles, they will not receive the deeper truths of Christian faith. Spiritual. So as we read this, brethren, I could not speak to you as to spiritual people. The word spiritual means those who are influenced by the Holy Spirit. Those who are influenced by the Holy Spirit. Spiritual people, but as to carnal. The word carnal there is fleshly, symbol of what is driven by the external. External. So let's talk about it. So before we became born again, we were nothing but flesh, external. We just, what we saw, we wanted, we desired it, we looked at it. You were two or three years old, you took things and you lied about taking them and you pushed people, go work with the kids. You're a ball of flesh. We all were. That's just the way it is. When we receive Jesus as our Savior, now the Holy Spirit comes within us and now the Holy Spirit starts to illuminate that fleshly tendency. And then I start to go, ooh, that's not right. Ooh, that's not good. Oh, God, thank you for showing me that. I want to change that. And we then allow the Holy Spirit to do that. And that's why you see so many Christians in their first year. They're like a 4th of July, man, just rockets going off. And they want to serve Jesus. And they want to go to another country. And this, that, and the other thing. And then 10 or 15 years into it, they're kind of like, yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I, I come to church, but, you know, nothing's really happening. And I don't know. What happened? Did God change? God didn't change. It's what they saw. They were looking at the external. They weren't walking by faith. They were walking by sight, which then neutralized their faith, their walk of faith. It's very simple, but yet we can all fall trapped to this, including myself. See, Paul tells them he cannot take them deeper into the deeper truths of God. They were still focusing on the exterior or fleshly appetites of this life. They are still behaving like babies and were immature in their Christian walk. So for you and I, I would encourage you this week to ask yourself maybe just a simple question. Spiritual. Those who are influenced by the Holy Spirit. So here's one question. Am I allowing the Holy Spirit to influence my life? Am I allowing the Holy Spirit to influence my life? Well, how does that take place? By having a daily devotional in a paper Bible. I really encourage you to have a paper Bible. When you have your device, you're going to get a notification, unless you turn everything off. And if you can do that, then go ahead and do that. But most of us aren't going to do that. So you're going to get a notification or you're going to hear something. You go, I wonder what's on the news and the sports. And all of a sudden, 15, 20 minutes goes by and you go, oh man, I want to spend time with God. Now I don't have time. When you have your paper Bible, the kids aren't around, the TV's off, radio's off, no distractions, you've got that 15 or 20 minutes or half hour. It's your time with God. And you do that on a daily basis, you're going to grow. And again, that's what happens typically in the first year of a Christian's life. They're just going crazy. They can't get enough Bible studies. They can't get enough this, enough that. Christian conscious, whatever it is, they're just going crazy. And then their eyes get back on the natural. Their eyes get back on whatever it is that's distracting them. And they cool and they cruise. Very, very dangerous for you and I to do that. Verse two, I fed you with milk and not with solid food for until now you were not able to receive it. What's Paul doing here? This is a mild rebuke. This is a mild rebuke. And even now, you are still not able. 
I want to take you deeper, he's saying to these Christians. I really do want to take you deeper, but you can't receive it because you're still focused over here. You're focused on the flesh. Now here at Calvary, we believe that you cannot lose your salvation. If you're still living like the devil, I will gladly take you to the word. I will never say to anyone, you're not saved. That's between God and them. But I will say to someone, well, let's look at your fruit. And you, the Bible says, you need to examine whether you're in the faith or not. Because by your fruit, you're not. But that's between God and you. So we do need to challenge each other and challenge ourselves. You know, I received Jesus in 78, but I haven't done anything since then. Well, did I really receive Jesus? Or did I just make a head commitment out of an emotional thing because I was 17 years old? Or did I make a heart commitment and I've been able to see a transformation take place over the last 43 years? It's not that hard. You see, Paul started off with the milk of the word. Obviously, as baby Christians, we need to come to understand the simplicity of God's mercy and grace. Baby Christians will not be able to chew on a hunk of meat, just like physical babies. You don't give a chunk of meat to a six-month-old. You'll choke them. Or spiritual doctrine. It's too hard for them to grasp, and oftentimes it causes them confusion. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. Paul gives us a perfect explanation of this. I believe Paul wrote Hebrews. I wouldn't argue with it about anybody, but the Holy Spirit authored it. A human wrote it. I believe it was Paul. Hebrews chapter five, and again, if you're new or visiting, the team always does a great job with slides, and so there's two books in front of, two books after, the main, and you'll see the little white rectangle with the arrow. That's towards the back of your Bible. Hebrews 5, nine. And having been perfected, he... And we know the he here is Jesus. You'll see why in a minute. He became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Notice that, to all who obey him. Called by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. So as we read earlier in Hebrews, we know that this is Jesus. So for you young people in the Lord, you always want to use the Bible as your commentary. If you get confused, read your Bible, read your Bible, cross-reference your Bible, ask other Christians, pray. Then maybe seek commentaries or other books, but make sure those commentaries or other books always take you back to the Word of God and not just what a person thinks. Always want to go back to the Word of God. Verse 11, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since, why? Why are you, why are you early Christians having an issue? Why are Christians today having an issue? Why is the church in America under the banner of Christianity, having an issue that marriage is between one genetic male and one genetic female. Why is that an issue? It should not be an issue. But why are they having an issue? Since you have become dull of hearing. You don't want to hear the truth. You want to go on your feelings, on your emotions, and you don't want to hear the truth, so you're remaining a baby Christian if they're even saved. Because this, what we're going through today in the church, in many churches, is diametrically opposed to the word of God from Genesis to Revelation. It's, it's plain and simple. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. So I see this in Christianity. A, a believer in their first year, I mean, they're excited, they're, they're reading the word and they want to go teach a Bible study and, or they want to go serve somewhere and they're just on fire. And then I also see a, a believer that's 10, 20, 30 years in the Lord 
and they just come on Sunday. If, if I asked them to teach a Bible study, they wouldn't be able to teach a Bible study. They wouldn't know where to start. They don't read their Bible throughout the week. They don't have private devotions. That's why I come to church, so the pastor feeds me. This is what Paul is saying right here. Even though you know the word and you've had the word taught to you and you should be teaching others, you're not. See, guys, it hasn't changed. The Bible is applicable, it's practical. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. That's you and me. We have to become skilled. As we cross people's paths in these days, are we going to argue about mask or no mask? Or vaccine or no vaccine? Or Republican or Democrat? Or male or female? Or this or that? Or are we going to say, do you know God? Do you know Jesus? 8,500 people are going to die today in America. Do you know Jesus? But we get caught up in all the other stuff, myself included. It's easy to get caught up in it. For he is a babe. But solid food, here's the exhortation for you and me this morning. If you're having issues with your life, anxiety, fear, worry, concern, But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So now let's go back and break that down because here's something applicable for you and me. Why have another Bible study if we can't take something home and apply to our lives? We don't need more head knowledge. We have to apply But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, so mature. That is, those who by reason of use, that that word use there means habit or practice. So please ask some questions. Do I have a habit or a practice of having a devotional time? No hands, just you and yourself. Do I have a regular habit and a regular practice of having a devotional time? And we can all make excuses. But God's not interested in excuses. He's interested in the heart. And there's no guilt or condemnation here. This is reality. This is for you and me in practical application. Have their senses. The word that the senses there is faculty of the mind used for perceiving and judging. How can we perceive and judge what is right and wrong if we don't have our head in the book that tells us what is right and wrong? It's going to be swayed by culture which our culture is being swayed. Oh, it's okay for two guys to get married. It's okay for two gals to get married. It's okay to be a a transgender. We need to accept that. And not only accept it, do you know now they want us to endorse it? Not just accept it. We have to endorse it to be loving. No, no. That's hateful. That's loving somebody to hell. Exercised. The word exercise there means to train. To discern means to distinguish judging. To discern what? Both good and evil. Both good and evil. Now, I know most of you by face, and you've been coming to this church for quite a while. You love God. You love the word. And you have gotten to that point in your life where you can discern right from wrong and good from evil. But for you younger believers, or maybe you're an unbeliever here, and you're not sure... This is the word of God that will help you distinguish right from wrong, good from evil, truth from lies. Our culture is full of lies. Even when a video says something, 
They, they lied that they said it, and there's the video that said they said it. And they don't care. They'll look right in the camera. I never lie. Verse 3, 1 Corinthians 3, 3. Paul continues to go on. Now, he's not beating them up. No guilt and condemnation. He's just trying to teach his spiritual children. For you are still carnal. For where there is envy, so now he starts to list a few of the fleshly tendencies. And so as he lists them, you and I, we need to look at this list and we're going to look at more and say, is this me? Could this be me? Is this creeping into my life? Because if it creeps into your life, then it's going to creep into your marriage. If it creeps into your marriage, then it's going to creep into your children or grandchildren. If it creeps into them, then it's going to creep into your neighborhood or your job or your school. And then it will end up creeping into the church where then we have to say, wait a second, we're not doing that here. Why are you doing that? And that's where you have to end up having church discipline. We have to stay with what the Bible says is true. We have to. So for you and I, envy, strife, and divisions among you. This is the early church 2,000 years ago. Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? You see, Paul doesn't tell them that they're carnal. He gives them some specific examples. Envying. It properly means hot jealousy. Strife is a quarrel or contention. They were encouraging divisions, which is disunity or dissension. So here we see a few descriptions of carnality or fleshly behavior that is unacceptable in our walk as Christians. So if you're new to the faith, this is what you want to start paying attention to. If you're older in the faith, hopefully you haven't checked out because this can creep in at any age. Paul desired to pass on to them the deeper truths about God, but they were stuck behaving like little children. The deeper truths would not have any impact. Rather, Paul was having to remind them of the basics. So in thinking about carnality, what are some other signs of walking in the flesh that we should be aware of? Let's look at Galatians chapter 5, and that's what we're going to spend the rest of the study on. Because again, this is for you and I. It can happen to any one of us. No one is above these things. The way that we stay on the straight and narrow is by allowing the Holy Spirit every day, every hour, every moment to keep us on the straight and narrow. Galatians 5.15 says this, But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Who is Paul writing to? He's writing to the church. He's writing to believers. So he's not saying to unbelievers, hey, if you bite each other, they do that. That's automatically. We've been hearing that for the last 16 months. Even the vice president bashed the president until she became president and he became vice president. Now everything's fine. They do that. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So again, Walking in the Spirit, feeding that side of myself. Am I going to feed the Spirit or am I going to feed the flesh? For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. Opposition, they're at war. Our flesh wants to do something. The Spirit says don't do it. So that you do not the things that you wish. Paul explains this in Romans 7. 
But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are. So here we go. Why would we read this list? This surely doesn't happen in Christianity. Adultery. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I bet you almost every single one of you, if you've been 10 or 20 years in the Lord, you know a Christian who's committed adultery. And maybe you did. Again, no guilt or condemnation. This is a reality check this morning. Because sometimes we think, well, I, I, no, I'm past all that. Really? Are you? You sure? For the flesh, uh, so, so adultery, fornication, which is sex outside of marriage, any sex outside of marriage, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, hmm, contentions, jealousies, outburst of wrath or anger. I used to have that. I had to repent of that. Didn't bless the family. Didn't bless the kids. Had to repent of that and replace it with the word of God. Unacceptable. Selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelies, and the like, of which I told you, tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past. Paul's saying, I've already gone over this, but I've got to say it again. That those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Practice. Practice. We all sin. But this is willful disobedience. I'm going to practice it. I'm going to endorse it. I'm going to encourage it. I don't care what the church says. I don't care what the Bible says. This is what I'm going to do. I don't, and repentance, forget that. That's nonsense. How about 2 Thessalonians chapter 3? 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. So again, these are lists that we might think, well, none of this applies to me. Be very careful. Be very careful. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. It won't apply to you when we go to your memorial service. You'll be dead. And we'll go, he's not sinning anymore. (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) She's not sinning anymore. She's such a great gal. 2 Thessalonians 3.10. For even when we were with you, this we suggested to you. Is that what your Bible says? There's been something really sad that's taken place in the last 20 to 30 years. I'm just going to share with you an observation from the pastorate. Something very, very sad. When the pastors or the elders or the deacons open the Bible, open the Word of God, because we've become friends with the fellowship, I mean literally friends with the fellowship, it's kind of like, well, you know, you're just my buddy. You're not my pastor. You can't tell me that. Who do you think you are? Well, I'm, I'm, I didn't think I was anybody, really. I just love you enough to tell you the truth. Yeah, well, you're no better than me. I'm out of here. I never liked this church anyways. Okay, all right. Paul says, this we commanded you. Not suggested. But sometimes even as Christians, we read the Bible and go, well, you know, that's a nice suggestion, but it doesn't apply to me. That if any would not work, neither should he eat. That's in the Bible. Not getting a big check every month. And I'm sure you guys have seen it, the news. There's jobs available. Matter of fact, this administration created one million jobs they're bragging about. They destroyed probably tens of millions. And now some of them are coming back. But they're actually turned it around. They're changing all the terms. President used to mean president. And vice president was vice president. Now those terms are different. Vice president means president and president means vice president. 
They're just changing all things around and they're taking credit for, for what? For giving big checks so that unemployment, you can get maybe a $600 a week check. Well, why would I go to work for $12 an hour, which is $480 a week, when I can sit at home and get a $600 check? Why would I go to work? Duh, I'm not going to work. And we wonder why people aren't filling these jobs. There's jobs available, but people aren't filling them. Well, the Bible says, if they don't work, they shouldn't eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly. So here's the flesh. Working not at all, but our busybodies. He's talking to the church here, guys, not to the unbeliever. He says, I hear some of you in the church aren't even working. You're mooching off of everybody else. Now them that are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and they eat their own bread. Jesus said, the poor you will have with you always. I have no issue with my tax dollars going to the poor. Those who are legitimately poor, mentally, physically handicapped, people that really need help, I have no issue with that. But somebody sitting at home that's totally capable of working and we're helping them, no, I got a big issue with that. But that's socialism. That's where we're at today. Break America down. Break America down. The other countries, we don't have to worry about breaking them down. They're already broken. But you people are all rich. Matter of fact, you live in the second wealthiest city in the state. We got to break you down. Because you think you have too much. Romans 19, 13. Romans 13. Romans 13. Love does no harm to a neighbor. So again, this idea, am I going to feed the Spirit? Am I going to submit to the Spirit or am I going to feed my flesh? Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, knowing the time that now is a high time to awake out of sleep. Boy, is this for us today or what? It's that term woke, right? Woke. Everybody's becoming woke. I've been awake for a long time. For now, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Praise God. Jesus is coming back at any time. Could be this fall. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. Proverbs 6, 17. A proud look. So when you hear that statistic, you just go, yep, yep, that's me. Little Podunk Cream Creek no more. I'm a wealthy city. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans. Let's see, how can I cheat on my taxes? Feet that are swift and running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. This happens in the church. So that's why it's so important as I share these verses, don't check out, well, you know, I'm way past all of that stuff. Really? 
This could be sister against sister, brother against brother, family against family, people coming against the church. Well, I don't like the color of the carpet, or I don't like the way you sing, or I don't like this, or I don't like that, or why don't we do this, why don't we do that? And all of a sudden, you're going around and you're talking to other people about what you don't like, trying to get people on your side. That's called sowing discord among the brethren. What do we just read? God hates it. And that's of the flesh. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 4. We'll wrap it up with these verses. And I have a question for you. So can a believer be eternally secure and still live in the flesh or live after carnal ways? You you think about that and you pray about that this week and you work that out scripturally. Can a believer be eternally secure and still live in the flesh or live after carnal ways? 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. What's a fiery trial? We're Christians now, Peter became. And they were persecuted just because they became a Christian. But rejoice to the extent that you are partake that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. You are reproached for the name of Christ. Blessed are you. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. On their part, God is blasphemed, but on your part, God is glorified. Or Christ, or the Holy Spirit, the triunity of the Godhead. So when I take a stand saying from the pulpit that marriage is between one male, genetic male, one genetic female, it's going to come, the Equality Act, I've been saying it for about two years, it's getting pushed further and further down the road, it's going to come to America, it's a frontal attack on the church, and it will impact the church in America. There's no question about that. That's coming from all levels of Christianity. Whatever initials are behind their names, they're all saying the same thing. It will heavily impact the church in America. That's just reality. And so when I take a stand and I become persecuted for Christ's sake, when I speak the truth in love, I'm okay with that. Because that's what the Bible says. But we have to make sure we're doing it in love because we don't promote hate. God loves all 8 billion people as we approach 8 billion people. Notice, he goes on to say though, but let none of you suffer as a murderer. Now, as he lists this, if he's suggesting or he's instructing, let none of you do that, what he is suggesting is that a Christian could do that. Why would he say it otherwise? So could a Christian actually murder somebody and still be a Christian? Work it out in your own mind. Work it out scripturally. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm not endorsing it. I'm just asking you a question so you search the scriptures and you get it clear in your mind because when people ask you what is marriage, you're able to respond in a loving, biblical manner. Marriage is between one genetic female and one genetic male. God created them. End of topic. Or as a thief, could a Christian be a thief and still be a Christian? An evildoer or as a busybody in other people's matters? I think that's called social media nowadays. Do Christians get involved with social media in a negative way? There's a lot of good things in social media that we can do. 
but there's also a lot of harmful things. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. You see, when we take a cause or when we take a stand for Jesus, we do it biblically, we do it lovingly, we let them know God loves them, just like God loves me, but God doesn't accept sin in my life. Does God accept sin in your life? I think you all know no. So there's no difference. We're all on the same playing field. But we need to express that in love so that they might come to know they need a Savior. There are various examples in the scriptures of saints who fed their flesh seeking after the temporal rather than the eternal. You know, as ambassadors for Christ, we need to be careful that we do not fall back into the fleshly ways that will definitely neutralize our Christian testimony. That's what it's all about. Once you're saved, you're saved. Get that off the table. Satan wants to now ruin your testimony. He wants to ruin my testimony. Can't take my salvation, but he can ruin, ruin our testimony at work, with our family members, in our neighborhood, wherever it is. How do we avoid that? By knowing the list and then keeping our flesh in check via the Holy Spirit. By reading the word of God, by prayer, by discipling, by doing what you're doing, gathering together, holding each other accountable. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word. For your word is full of all truth. And if we surrender our lives, I know, I know many Christians in this room, I know many Christians in this room that could stand up and we could have testimonies for the next month of people who have surrendered their lives and God moved them past that sinful act, that sinful desire. It's true. It works. There'd be testimony after testimony after testimony. So, Father, we know you're real. We know you're alive. And we know that you will meet us and you will help us get over whatever it is that we need to get over. So, Father, help us to not just sing about surrender, but help us to take it to heart and really apply it to our lives. That we might submit to the working of your Holy Spirit. That we might be influenced by your Holy Spirit and not influenced by the things of this world. Father, I thank you for a faithful flock who gives so much. Lord, help us as leaders to continue to be faithful and and as we bring on maybe a couple more missionaries this week, Lord, we're just doing it because the funds are there and we want to get the word out. So, Lord, help us to keep our heart focused on that, the eternal goal. And, Lord, we, we, we bind. We bind on that person who used spray paint on that car. We bind their sin upon them. And, Father, I pray that you make their life hell, that they might look up and repent and realize what they did was wrong. Do your work on that individual or individuals that they might come to the saving knowledge of Jesus as their Savior. Father, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' precious name, amen, amen. Why don't we all stand, guys? God bless you. If you need prayer, please come. We'd love to pray for you. And also check out the compassion, um, this pandemic, this lockdown, as the pastor told us. Um, it didn't save them from COVID. It destroyed what little they had. And many of them are living on less than $2 a day. Think about that, $2 a day. So guys, we got a cause. 
uh, let's see what God will do with us, right? God bless you. If you need prayer, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.